to another exciting edition of Local Queen Abroad. Hey. This is our new spinoff right here that we're doing. We are coming to you live from Cardiff, Cardiff Wales. 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 <laughs> I'm very excited to be sitting here with the one, the only, the international sensation of masturbation. I don't even know what that means. Mother Taka! Hi, how are we? How? Well, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Like, I've had a blast on this tour. Full of cold, but hey, that's too Full of life. cold. Are you contagious? No, no, it's past that stage. All right, we've say we've got to keep our six feet of distance over here. I am uh, fully vaxxed. Uh-huh. I just had, like, my 20th test. Did you do the PCR in London? Well, I did, when we were still in London, so that I can fly home tomorrow. No. Um, I know. I'm sad, sad. I'm I'm very happy to be going home to uh wash my panties. Yes. I'm um, very excited about that. Sick of buying Primark. Just <laughs> like keep recycling, just keep like <laughs> So they, they make fun of us. Every time we come over here, all the American girls were like, take me to the closest Primark. <laughs> I'm buying every press on nail. I'm buying every boxer brief, every bra in not the those, Not those lashes though, not the Primark lashes. No. Why do we not like the lashes at Primark? Well, they're very plasticky and they're tiny, tiny, tiny. You don't even go past your normal lash. No. They're teeny tiny. They don't even work as a bottom lash. No. 100%. And the, it's the, um, the ridge, it's just so stiff. You can't get any, like, so it just, like, yeah. stretches your eye out weird. Yeah. And I don't like my, my eye stretch. No. <laughs> not even my brown eye. <laughs> We're only two minutes in. I know. I'm very excited <laughs> about this. Okay, so um, one of my favorite things about you is that you have created this niche for yourself over here. I mean, we call you a local queen, I guess, because that's the name of the podcast. But really, you get around. You are everywhere. Uh, you see, for me, the term local queen is like, I am local to Newcastle. That's my locality. But... I will be all over the country and all over Europe when we can travel again. So like a lot of people see the term local queen as a bad thing, but I don't. I think it's like, I'm local to Newcastle, that's my home, and that will always be my home. That's always where I'm going to be local to. Are you born and raised in Newcastle? No, I'm originally from the Lake District. Um, an area of outstanding natural beauty. What is that? <laughs> it's a national park. Um, it's a- no, I meant outstanding oh. natural beauty. <laughs> No, so it's, it's, it's a national park. Yeah, so it's where all the hills and the lakes are in Cumbria. Um, it's a nice place to visit, but growing up there was pretty grim. Yeah? Yeah, like there was no pub in the village. The biggest city closest was Manchester, which was like an hour drive. So as soon as I could, I flew my wings to Carlisle, to do my, which is North Cumbria, to do my diploma in performing arts. Then I moved to Newcastle and I've been there. 19 years now. That sounds a lot like, you know, I grew up in Leesburg, mm-hmm. which very small, one horse town, as they say. And there was like no culture. There was no gay scene at all. <laughs> I had to go an hour outside yeah. of there to Orlando to have any sense of like city and normalcy and camaraderie. There was anybody like me. There was a gay bar that was like half an hour in the like Lancaster. And that's where. I found my sort of being gay was okay and being gay was like not an issue. Um, there were drag queens there and I was just like, oh my God, you're amazing. I want to be that. And uh, 
so yeah, so that was fun, but um, it's I don't even think that bar's there anymore now. But like, you say it was in Lancaster. Yeah, Lancaster. 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 <laughs> I don't. I I have to get it right because we have Lancaster, Michigan, in America, but we also have like Birmingham, Alabama. But we get here and it's like Birmingham. 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 I'm like, no, it's Birmingham. Southampton. <laughs> Southampton. Well, we don't have a Southampton do. Oh yeah. But you say like. It's the in how do you say Edinburgh? Edinburgh. And <laughs> <laughs> Glasgow? Glasgow. No. <laughs> it makes me laugh when like American queens come over and they're like on the mic and like, hello, Glasgow. And they're like, oh no, that's not right. <laughs> well, they always come up to me in the meet and greets and they're like, oh, I just love your accent. I'm like, I ain't got an accent. Y'all get accents. <laughs> Y'all are exotic and glamorous to me. It's the way American Greece come over and they do the same accent for the whole of the UK. Like this stodgy London accent, this Cockney accent. You're like, that is not how we speak. <laughs> That's not how we speak at all. But on the flip side, almost every like UK queen that I've worked with, they are, there's one of two accents for America. It's either the Michelle Visage, I'm, I'm right from the Bronx, I'm going to fuck you up. Or it's the well, I do the clear. Yeah, yeah. And the two accents. They're definitely the two accents that we know. It's like the Southern drawl or the broad in New Yorker. Now, did you know that Southern is the easiest for um, for UK people to pick up on because it's derived directly from from like from, um, like the British dialect. Yeah. Uh, which is so weird. But if you think about it, like Cockney and Southern, they have a lot of the same vowel sounds. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that. I only learned that because I did a dialect class for this murder mystery theater I used to work at. And I learned that because I I wondered myself, I was like, why do we as Americans, why do we tend to um, go directly for like the cocky? I'm not going to. I guess that's the one that you see on the TV the most as well. Because it's like the Mary easiest. Poppins and things like that. And that and my coach told me they were like, well, that that's because it's a lot of the same vowel sounds that we're already used to making. So it's it's easier just to kind of pop those into place. So you found your Adele quite easy to do then? Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Wine, Twinkies, cigarettes, <laughs> and a horrible accent. <laughs> and the real Adele. No. no. <laughs> Who has just come back out. Looking gorgeous. Stunning. Although she always did look gorgeous. She always looked gorgeous, but I mean, she looks so like confident and comfortable right yeah, now. Very happy. Uh-huh. And that's is, why like just... when, when people are like, oh my gosh, she's lost so much weight. She's so gorgeous. You're right. She's always been gorgeous. It's not about the weight loss. It's how um how really confident yeah. she seems at, at this time. She it's like she's releasing this music because she wants to mm-hmm. and not because she feels she has to. But she's saying it's um like a letter to her child about like the divorce. So it's her explaining to her child why they divorced through song, which she says it's easier to do rather than tell them, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean... If you I, could write songs like that. I don't understand why it wouldn't be easy just to be like, hey, this is, <laughs> this is what happened. We're no longer together because of... Your dad's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure he's not. <laughs> I have no idea. I've never met him. Me neither. Well, I've, I've never met her. I've never met her. I've seen her live twice. I feel a kindred spirit kind of connection with her. I think everyone does when she talks. Did you see her Instagram live? Yes, of <laughs> That's course. the funniest thing. <laughs> of course. 
I, I love her because I feel like um, she does what I've always uh, set out to do as, as, a, as a public figure. You just kind of, you have no filter. Yeah. You just put it all out there and either people accept it or they don't. And if they don't, you have to accept that and yeah. move on. Yeah. 100%. Um, and I feel like she's really good at doing that. She's so funny. Like when I saw her live, she's just the story she tells is just, it's very Dolly Parton, you know, when the way Dolly yeah. tells her stories, like the same with Adele, she goes out there, blasts out these incredible songs and then just has a laugh in between. Now, speaking of Dolly Parton, I know that you are a huge Dolly Parton oh, fan. she's my queen. Huge Crystal Gale fan. Uh-huh. Big overall uh, country music yes. sort of person, which uh, is very interesting considering that that music is so far in a way, I think most people would think that music is so far in a way from you and your story. I think, um, well, I grew up, like my dad always listened to country music. So Crystal Gale, Tammy Wynette, Dolly Parton, all these big female country stars. And when we used to go shopping, like on the weekly shop, every Saturday morning, the cassette would go in, it'd be Applejack, 9 to 5, Jolene, and like the Crystal Gale, like Brown Eyes Blue, River Road. So it's just like they I have such a connection with those. They're the first music I remember from being a kid. Mm-hmm. The first music. So it's kind of stuck with me. And I just adore Dolly Parton. I'm very jealous of you. <laughs> very jealous. It's <laughs> not fair. For many reasons. <laughs> Mostly because I look so good in this 15-pound Primark sweater. The quality. Look at the quality. The quality. Polyester. Uh, <laughs> which is my favorite John Waters and Divine movie. Oh, fantastic. So good. Yeah. Um, but going back to like uh, how people might initially think, oh, this is not really your story. How do you have a connection with this? You know, sitting here and talking to you about you know, where you grew up and how you eventually had to leave that town in order to find yourself, find people like you, find a tribe. I think that story is very universal because it's my story. Yeah, 100%. I think it's like, don't get me wrong, my family were amazing. Like, my dad, not so much when I came out, but like my mom and my brother were incredible. But you want to be around people that get you and have been there and done that. So when you do find your your queer family, it's just the best feeling in the world. They Mm -hmm. just support you and promote you and like, help you understand who you are and that you're not alone so that's yeah i think it is just yeah. a universal queer story really that wow. and really i think that's why country music is so accessible to everybody because it tells those stories yeah it's all those stories about this is how i grew up i had nobody i found my person or my people yeah and now i'm successful or now i'm happy or or i'm not happy and i'm still working on it it's that universal story. Yeah, it's like Coat of Many Colours, the greatest Dolly Parton song of all time. Mm-hmm. It's just that story of like the rags to riches, basically, and how just don't care what other people think and yeah. just be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I learned that when I released my country album, with especially like leading with Walk Tall, it was a story that was so personal to me that I didn't know that I was ready to share with the world. Yeah. And mostly because I didn't know if they would get it or they'd be like, girl you're that upset over a pair of shoes (laughs) um but it was it was something that was so honest and so universal that people really uh identified with it they connected with it and i still every day i'm getting messages from people that are like this tells my story 
or it tells what I wish my story was or anything like that. I think that's the power of music. 100%. Like everyone connects with different music and, and everyone, there's, you can't, there's not one person in the world that hates music. No. Or if they do, then they're lying. The, yeah. That there's a song that, that connects or resonates with them that means that you can listen to that and it makes you like just feel happy or content or makes you cry or whatever that just helps cathartic song. Yeah, well, because I've always felt like when you can't say something, you sing it. Yeah. Because that it's a heightened version of a conversation. Um, I actually, I, I used to do theater school with this, uh, this, this young deaf man who was obsessed with rock and roll music. And, you know, when I asked why, you know, being young and naive and not understanding, it's like, well, how do you connect with this music if you can't hear it? Yeah. And he was like, I do hear it. I feel it. I feel the music. I feel the bass. I feel the beat. And it makes me, it makes me feel different ways. Yeah. It, it puts me in different mind frames. And I was like, oh, well, that's exactly what it does for me. With the lyrics and the music. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that universal, or, uh, universal, I think that music, you said it's something that nobody in the world is immune to. Yeah. Very though. You cannot want to like something. But sometimes it just gets inside of you. You can't get it out. Now, you had to go and find your tribe. And you have Uh with the club kids. Yes. Because you now, not only do you host (laughs) and perform in every single Club Kids UK tour, you also drive Drive us from city to city. So if I ever get on Drag Race, my first tour is going to be called From Driver to Drag Race. I love that. And then the second one booked and stressed. (laughs) (laughs) So is it your goal to uh, get on to Drag Race? I think, yeah, 100%. Like, I've not been bothered about it before. Like, seasons one to three, it's just kind of like, just getting on. Um, I had a lot of issues. Like, um, season one, I didn't want to apply because we didn't know what it was going to be. We didn't know what the beast was going to be. Season two, my dad had just died. So I didn't, like, I wasn't in the right headspace. Season three was when COVID had hit and, like, None of us were working. Like I had to go back to work in a call center that I was working at before I did drag full time. So just my head wasn't in the game. But season four, I am all guns blazing. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. That's we're the dream. All, we're sending you our good vibes and our good juju. Um, <laughs> Don't start talking about juju. <laughs> no, she'll pop up. You know that bitch will show up to the opening of an envelope. <laughs> we just toured with her recently. It was so much fun as well. Like uh, everyone's talking about GGV. It was such a fun tour. She is the reason I'm on. I was on Drag Race, um, and she's the reason I keep going back. Because you know? <laughs> she's always the one that's like, "What do you have to lose? Go have fun." You just want to beat her to how many times you can be on. Yeah, <laughs> that part. <laughs> Uh, no, what she likes to tell me is, well, we've both been on three times, but I've made it to the finale three times. <laughs> As I guess, but I won challenges. <laughs> I had a fan. <laughs> uh, I, I love her, though. Oh, me too. She's absolutely incredible. I've never met anybody that doesn't love GGB. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's just so chill as well. Yeah. She's honest. And, and people connect with authenticity. So um, I want to know how you kind of get into the whole drag world. So obviously pantomime in the UK is a massive thing. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I think it, that is a very British thing. I don't think it translates yeah. anywhere else in the world really. So 
I was in an amateur dramatic society back home uh, when I was younger, and I was the dame in one of the pantomimes. And I was the youngest dame ever in the society. Um, the first ever lip sync I did was to Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain. So <laughs> cheesy, so cheesy. But that kind of got me into sort of drag and like makeup and costumes and being like a totally different character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did that for like four years, I moved to Carlisle and I just did the odd kind of DJ shift here and there in drag. And then I started doing a weekly night. Then I moved to Newcastle, stopped altogether and just did it for birthdays, Halloween, that kind of stuff. And then was offered um, a gig at the yard in Newcastle and then started working with Andrew from Club Kids when uh, Club Kids was a weekly night at the powerhouse and then just gone from there really. So yeah, it's kind of just... Before we move on, I want to say you are absolutely right. The pantomime is very, um, it's a very UK thing Mm -hmm. because by definition of the word pantomime, it's like, it's like, like moving your mouth to pretend yeah. you're singing. So almost like lip syncing or something like that. So being even a theater kid like me growing up, when I first started hearing about British pantomimes, in my head, it's like they press play on a CD player and it's a whole bunch of people going <laughs> and pretending that they're talking. So I didn't quite understand what it, it was exactly until I started coming over here and I yeah. got to see one. Um, so if we have anybody out here who's listening that doesn't, understand what that is can you just kind of so pantomime is like it tells like the traditional sort of fairy fairy tales so like jack and the beanstalk red riding hood that kind of stuff um there's always a dame pantomime dame which is played by a man pretending to be a woman so kind of drags like old school drag um the principal boy is normally female and it's like a story and there's lots of sort of it's behind you, like innuendo, slapstick comedy. They're mainly aimed at children, but there's the adult side to them as well. So there's the innuendos that only the adults get. But now they've started doing adult pantomimes. Uh, Ellie Diamond's uh, doing one at the moment with... Oh, with Joseph Alexis, Purdy. Alexis Mateo and yeah. Tamisha Ramon. Um, so that's touring at the moment. So that's and more Trinity K. Bonet. Oh yes, TKB yes, yeah. from the ATL. Um, but that's uh, more adult. So that's like really more proper filth, really. But where so it's basically like taking uh, a familiar fairy tale, a children's story, and kind of turning it turning it on its head. Yeah, having fun with having it. fun, making jokes out of it, all the slapstick comedy, and it's very traditional Christmas thing in the UK. So they start normally in November and end in January. So it's kind of that they make so much money as well. Like it, a lot of the theatres in the UK wouldn't survive without the pantomime. Like the one in Newcastle, it runs for nearly three months and it makes millions for the theatre. And if we're they, in the wrong business, yeah. <laughs> we're going to start our own pantomime business. <laughs> but if it wasn't for them, that, then the theatre wouldn't survive. Yeah. So you were a theatre kid. Yes. Got started doing drag through theatre. Yeah just like me. And then after you moved to Newcastle, you had given it up. You were like, okay, I'm going to move on with my life. Just doing it for things. like fancy dress really then. Mm-hmm. And then it just, yeah, went from there. So how long have you been doing drag? Um, 
in the form of Mother Tucker since 2012. There was two other... <laughs> there, so when I was in Carlisle, um, 2001 to 2003, I was Fiona Lacio. So <laughs> Felatio. And then um, when I started doing it in Newcastle, just like for odds and sod gigs, it was Fabrizio Pouch. And then I went travelling around South America, came back, and that's when Mother Tucker started with the beard and not wearing wigs and things like so that. So before Mother Tucker was born, uh-huh. you were not a bearded queen? No. No. Okay. The pictures are like... <laughs> so bring me bring me up to date with the, the metamorphosis. I was too lazy to shave. <laughs> and like my skin can't cope with being like when I shave, it just like comes out in like hives. Like it's like when I, I went to get it done properly, like shaved properly by a Turkish barber. And as soon as they took it off, they were like, you've got blue beard. I was like, what? And they were like, it's a thing. Like if your beard's that thick, you'll never be able to like get rid of like, cause my hair's thick and it's dark. Mm. So if even when I clean shave straight away, you can see it. It's so it's like, I was just like, oh. and there was no one doing it in Newcastle at the time. So I was like, bugger it. Let's try something different. Mix up the game a little bit. And then, yeah, that happened. And then there was no place for us to perform. There was like a, a load of misfit drag queens and drag things that had nowhere to perform. So we started Shade. And then um, we just did that on monthly. And then we started getting the root girls for that. And then Andrew started um, Club Kids. I think Club Kids might have started beforehand. And then, yeah, then we started Shade and it kind of just grew. Shade grew and then we were like, oh, we all kind of went our separate ways. I stayed with Andrew and then here now. And then here you are. Yep. Driving from gig <laughs> driving, to gig. Driving the bus through all weathers. And uh, <laughs> It's been a nasty day today too. Oh, it's so bad. It Load rained. All over and not yeah. in a good way. I know. There's the me and Miss Cracker and CJ and Caitlin were in the back of the van having our coffee, our Costa, <laughs> and just go, oh, Thanks. can you please try to drive a little more? <laughs> just coffee flying everywhere, my Red Bull. <laughs> well, at first I was like, oh no, it's finally gotten to her. She's I'm cracked, sleeping. she's falling asleep. <laughs> no, the wind was just crazy and the rain and all that. Yeah. But you don't have a choice. I mean, like, that's that's the gig You've got to do it, yeah. But I don't mind doing it, although... Um... I can't wait until I don't have to do it. <laughs> Drag race, not because I want to get sacked, Andrew. <laughs> well, so then you we finished <clears throat> this tour. Yes. Today is when we're recording this episode. Yep. We finished this tour. We've been doing it for a couple of weeks now. And then you don't even get a day off because no. tomorrow you start the next tour with Club Kids. Yes. Yeah, so tomorrow the comedy tour with Cracker, Rockham, Thorgy. Uh, Wishy Black, Gladys Stuffy, and Bailey J Mills as well. So that yeah, that starts tomorrow until the seventh, and then there's four days off, and then the Lawrence Cheney Winners Tour starts straight after that. It's crazy. I mean, it's good. Oh yeah, like, it's one of those things I keep saying. You know, people are like, "Oh my gosh, you're just working so much." I'm like, "Yes, it's a good problem to have." Hundred percent. It's the... a very good problem, but sometimes it's still a problem. Yeah. Because you haven't slept and you get a little cold and you don't have the time to really recoup from it. Yeah. But you don't want to complain about it because, you know, it beats the fact that we were sitting in our homes for, for a year yeah, and a half. Yeah, for 18 months, definitely. Um, 
Yeah, especially I think as well at the moment it's got it's crazy because it's all the rescheduled tours. Mm-hmm. So we just get all those rescheduled tours in before we can start booking new t- new tours. Mm-hmm. So I think once this year's over, then it'll calm down a little bit. Like January starts to calm down a little bit. Oh, yeah, you say bit. that. So it's only one tour a month instead of three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell me, like, because I am from America, and of course we had. Uh, a very specific experience during uh, quarantine and COVID-19 and all that. What was it like over here? Um, it was, I think it was different over here because we kind of went into lockdown, then came out of lockdown, then went into lockdown, came out of lockdown, and that just continued. And then um, this time last year, a lot of the bars reopened, so we could tour, um, but it was doing two shows a night because uh, it was minimal seating the curfew was 10 o'clock so shows were starting at five o'clock and then you literally had a 10 minute break and then you'd start again and um, we were doing a lot of outside venues a lot of drive-through things um like beer gardens things like that mm-hmm. um so that was okay performance wise for some of it a lot of the time I don't know it was just difficult not being able to be creative and i know we've had the conversation about digital drag I was doing a, a weekly live on my Instagram. And to start with, it was like, yay, this is so much fun. Yeah. Because you can kind of see the comments coming up. But then it's just like, just don't want to do this anymore. I just want a, a proper audience in front of me. And it kind of, there was just no end in sight at some point. So it was like, you saw the figures flying up and you're like, I just don't know what to do. And I think that kind of, just you lose your momentum and you lose your drive. And so it was, I remember when we started touring properly again, the first show we did, um, the capacity was at the Clapham Grand, which is my favourite venue. The best venue they're amazing. in the world. Oh, 100%. And so good. It's like the staff, the sound, the light and the stage, like the backstage area is big enough for everyone. So to be back on that stage in front of 2,000 people, the first one was just like, like I did my opening spiel and then I introduced the first act and I literally went off stage and just started crying because yeah. it was just like, we're back, we're back, we're back. And yeah. that's just fingers crossed it doesn't change again. So that was, it was just masses of it, like about, you know, 18 months of it, not being able to do anything, just the emotions just totally overtaken. And I said to the audience, I'm like, just a little cry backstage. <laughs> the audience was <laughs> like, you know, like, cause they're the same. They've not been able to have live entertainment either. Yeah. So everyone's been starved. So I don't know about yourself, but coming back, just the audiences are just so much more receptive and just so much more wanting everything that you can give them. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I absolutely experienced that. Every single performance. I mean, and and every single night when I finish my number, I get to close the show, which is good and bad. Because I'm I like I have all this energy coming out of the meet and greet. I'm like, all right, I'm oh, yeah. ready to do this. And then I have two hours to sit backstage until I actually You have go to on. redo your face like, as well. Oh, I do. I have to redo my face because <clears throat> I get from like pretty drag, my version of pretty drag into Ursula, uh, which has been fun. But the audiences go so nuts uh-huh. when that's over. And, you know, some of these places, they've been chanting my name and all that. And it's, it does, it catches you off guard because for so long we have been performing to nothing yeah we've been performing to a laptop to like a screen yeah. or a camera or something like that and it's not just um 
it's not one of those instances where, oh, you were just on TV, so yeah, I recognize that, and I'm going to applaud it. It's not really that. It's this connection between people who need to perform and people who need to watch yeah. entertainment. It's like this, um, this give and take. And that bond is so much stronger now than I think it was before we went into this. And I think this tour as well, every single performer, like King and Queen, have brought their A-game with their performances. Mm -hmm. It's such a strong show. Um, So the audience are really sort of like just wanting more and more and more. Like, I'm one of those people that scours the internet for reviews. And I, I know I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't. Yeah, but it's just, it's it's nature. Because we care. Yeah. But I've not seen any negativity apart of, of the show, apart from they wanted more. Which is, yeah. that's good to leave them wanting more. Exactly. Like, and honestly, it's a long show as it is. <laughs> yeah. There's no way we could give them any more. <laughs> They're as sweating as it is. <laughs> like, but yeah, so it's it's lush to see that. And it's amazing. Like, and like you said, it's not just the, the drag race cast that are getting that response as well. It's the full it's cast. Everybody. It's the full cast. There. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, if it was just like me or Cracker or Taste or Ahura that was getting that kind of response, I would go, maybe like, maybe it's the whole drag race thing, um, which can often play a part in yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But when it is every single entertainer yeah. that's on this tour, because there's only four of us from drag race. Yeah, so uh, the non-drag race, we've got... Um, Chio, Prince Chio, Drag King, Phenomenal Drag King. We've got uh, Coco DeVille, who's a burlesque performer. Uh, Alexis St. Pete, um, who is from London. Her performance in um, in London. London with the live guitarist Ryan. Ah, oh, I've never seen that it before. It was so good. I've never seen that before. And it's just, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Her number is good every night. But that yeah, yeah, night yeah, yeah. in London, because we all the whole tour, we were like, I can't wait till we get to London. It's going to be the biggest show, the best show, because it is our favorite venue. Yeah. The audiences are always so good. Um, and she brought out this live rock guitarist who played like, along like to her S&M, number. And it was just like... It was mind-blowing. It was incredible. I, I, took, I, I took time out of getting ready to go and watch it yeah. on the side of the stage, because I knew it was going to be special. And that audience lost their shit. Oh, it, like, and I just, course, we've I've never got, seen anything like that. And then there's Tyrese, Tyrese as well, who does, like, the most incredible performance as Carr from The Jungle Book. Oh, like, with all the splits and the, like, Tyrese, they are so sexy. It's Tyrese and Alexis are really, like, the unsung heroes of this tour. Oh, God, yeah. They've, <laughs> they've got their, their solo performances. And they open the show as a they, duet. Yeah. Then they come on with Victoria, perform with Victoria. Then they come on with... They each have their solo. Each solo number each. And then they do... Who else did they do with? Me. Ahura. And Ahura. Tyrese does with Ahura. And then they do with you as well. So, yeah. That, like, and then the finale. And the finale. <laughs> so, I mean, they're doing seven numbers. Yeah. Seven numbers. And the rest of us are like, oh, that's six minutes I spent on stage is just exhausting. I spend more than six minutes on stage. No, you do. <laughs> you do. It's it's you and the two of them. It's yeah. really your show. And the rest of us are just happy to be there. <laughs> but I will agree with you. It's one of the strongest shows I've ever been a part of. Because usually there's that one number we always call it the bathroom break. With yeah, the smoke break. The smoke break. Where you're like, <laughs> oh my goodness, this has been going on for 12 minutes and it's not 
change. Yeah. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to come back and it'll be fine. There's not a single one. No, of those. not at all. Yeah, it's just incredible. And I think when we take the interval, like we were like, how's it the interval already? It's like you've seen six numbers. Yeah. And it's like, and these, because I think it flows so well. Everything just, it's just a stellar cast. We're mm-hmm. really lucky with this cast. And considering we put this whole show together in one day. Uh-huh. I was like, just think about what next year is going to be. Oh. Now that we kind of have the idea of what we're going to do, yeah. you know. We can't tell you. No, but it's going to be spectacular. Spooktacular. <laughs> so scary. Uh, so before we move on and talk about some other fun things, I want to know where the name Mother Tucker kind of came from. So um, there's an episode of Family Guy um, where Peter's mom marries Tom Tucker and the episode's called Mother Tucker. And I was like, that's such a good drag name it's like and i'm kind of like the mother of all the sort of like there's a in newcastle there's a lot of sort of younger queens that are like have come up and like, i make sure that they're all okay i'm a shady bitch i'm a, i can be nasty so i'm like kind of like both sides of the mother side yeah um so yeah it's like mother by name mother by nature but yeah so it's from family guy an episode of family guy well, it's, it, that's actually very interesting um, because I, I don't think I ever would have put that together, but I do think that mother really kind of, um, it encapsulates who you are because as far as club kids go, I mean, you really are kind of the mother hen of everything. <laughs> you make sure that we are there when we're supposed to be there. If not, you go pick us up and drive us. Uh, you make sure we're fed. You make sure we're taken uh, ja- back. I, Jamie's responsible for a lot of that. I just... Uh... I just hang around the edges making sure. Oh, Jamie <laughs> Jamie is great. And Jamie is wonderful at what he does. But you're the one that's always like, did we take care of this, Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> if you're mother, he's father. Yes, very much so. Very that. Very um, that. But it's a good dynamic and it makes everything run very smoothly. Yeah, a lot of the queens like are really happy when it's me and Jamie working with them because we've worked together for so long. We know each other. We know like how everything runs. and We, we know what needs to be done and when it needs to be done. So, and I think there's never any drama um, with me and Jamie. It's just like, we get on with it and just do what we need to do. There's been no drama on this whole tour. No. There's been no drama on any of the the tours that I've done with Club Kids. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's really a testament to Andrew and the type of people he surrounds himself with. Yeah. There are, uh, I've had a lot of bad experiences coming over to the UK and doing tours with um other promoters i'm not going to name them because there are many yeah and and it's not just the uk this happens in in the states all the time but it's a little different when you know you are leaving your home country to go somewhere else and then you're kind of left to fend for yourself Mm -hmm. in a place you're not familiar with and i feel like um at least in the past there have been promoters who have bought the plane ticket and, and then and then that's it and it's like well i don't i don't know where to go i don't know what to do yeah. i don't know how to do it um but andrew and and you all your whole crew has always been like right there this is what we're doing this is how we're doing it you've never left me to fend for myself i think because we know as well what it's like ourselves to be touring and not know what's happening mm-hmm. um especially as a performer and you know i need to know the ins and outs of a duck's fart to know what, <laughs> exactly like, to know what how it's going to work what's going to happen, where we need to be, what time we need to be. Because at the same time as I, I've got to pick you up and take you there, I've still got to get ready as well. 
mm-hmm. and I've still got to be on stage, bang on time at the start, making sure that everything's everything's happening on stage. So, well, there was one tour that I did over here where there was no driver service, there was no car service to get me from one location to the next and then to the venue. Yeah. I wasn't even told where the venue was. I had to call an Uber and then look up the oh poster. God. I had to look up the poster <laughs> on social media and figure out where the venue was and what time the show was. And like <laughs> by process of elimination go, okay, if meet and greets this time, so I should probably the be there bright. this time. I log on to Eventbrite to see what Yeah. And you know, people do the best that they can, but uh, the thing that I really appreciate about Club Kids is that Andrew is okay delegating. Yeah. And not enough people are confident enough and comfortable enough to let other people do what they need to do. I think as me and Jamie have been doing it for so long as well, I think Andrew trusts us to make sure that everything just runs. And, you know, he's quite happy for me and and Jamie just to sort of like take the lead and and organize everything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's great. I, I told Andrew I will always work for him. And he's like, no, you're never working for me again. (laughs) (laughs) You're sad. (laughs) Right? You know what? I'm having so much fun talking to you, but we do need to hear a word from our sponsors. So we'll be back in just a few moments. Welcome back, everybody, to Local Queen. I am coming to you live from Cardiff, Wales, with the one and only Mother Tucker. Hi. And you, how do you spell it? M-U-T-H-A-T-U-C-K-A. Yeah. So they're like, you can't say mother or mother. It's mother Tucker. Mother Tucker. I love it. Mother, mother Tucker, motherfucker. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's and so you've just classy. got my it's opening so line. You just got my opening line from Drag Race when I walk in such. If you let me. <laughs> so I met you for the first time on my very first Club Kids gig, which was oh gosh, probably five years ago at this point. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And at, I remember it was in Newcastle at Boulevard. At Boulevard, which is the the one where you have to walk up all the like that ladder. <laughs> that ladder that's like that, and it's like in heels, and you're like, oh no. You're like, I don't know if I can make it. And if you take your heels off to walk on it, it's pure metal. So you're just like, ah, this is uncomfortable. It's an incredible venue. I had so much fun that night. Yeah, like a dinner theater. I didn't think I was going to because I had lost my luggage. Oh, God, yeah. And I had never been to Newcastle before, had never worked with club kids, didn't know Andrew or you or anybody. And I show up and I'm like, I have no drag. And the show is in three hours. Gloria Hull lent you wigs and dresses, didn't she? Uh, I got loaned wigs. I oh, never got yeah, any dresses. Gloria Hull, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we went over to that mall. It was you, me, and Andrew. We went to the mall to Matt. El- yes, in Eldon Square. And yes. we were like, whatever we can get, <laughs> just give it to us. I can't afford that. Give me a sample. <laughs> uh, and somehow it happened, and it was yeah. so fun. Now, do you remember what you were dressed as that night? Um, I know that I did... I'm sure I did a live. Did I? No, I can't remember what performance I did. I can't remember. You had freeze-dried flies. No, that was travesty. No. No, travesty had the flies stuck to her face because that made her ill because she did the full tour with you. And I only did that one night because I, I was doing a different tour. No. And it made her ill. Travesty, she stuck all the like the flies that she'd kept in her from, I don't know, her house and she stuck them all on. It made her really ill, and she had to go into hospital because of the flies. Stuck so to you face. see how like our mind takes these <laughs> these traumatic situations <laughs> and turns them around into something uh, a little less exciting. Um, oh, that wasn't me. No, I didn't. No, that wasn't you. I can't remember what I wore that one. 
I'd have to have a look back through the meet and greet photos to see what I was wearing. Well, I guess I would too. I remember what I was wearing. I can't remember what I was. I was wearing my uh, my safari jumper <laughs> because it was all I had. <laughs> I'm like up there in combat boots and, <laughs> and a safari jumper. Like touch wood, that has never. I don't know where there's a, like there's a real wood. Touch wood, it's never happened to me that I've lost a case. So um. What is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? In drag. In drag. Um, someone pulled me off the stage, like a total Karen, like, you know, the hen party, mortal drunk, think they can grab you. This was at my local bar, The Yard in Newcastle. I was stood on stage and she like, she put her hand out and I said, I put my hand out and she just yanked me, snapped my heel and I just fell on the floor. And I was just like, you're barred. <laughs> so I literally had to do the rest of the shift with a snap teal. Consent is sexy and drag is not a contact sport. Very that. These are Very not that. just sayings that we put on t-shirts to sell. Uh like so many people in like we get Newcastle's like a stag and hen party, so that's bachelorette and Bachelor. Bachelor party, is that yeah. it? So yeah. So that's um it's huge for that. So Always on a weekend when you stood out having a cigarette and you left a 10-minute mega mix on when you're DJing. There's, you always let someone grab you and it's like, they grab your boob and they're like, I'm like, I didn't do that to you. Like, well, they're not real. It's like, well, how do you know they're not real to start with? And, and like, it doesn't are matter. You, Helen. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if they're real or not. You just don't go grabbing people. Yeah. It's genitalia. Well, and also, even if they aren't real, they're attached. Yeah. They are currently attached to things that are real and are not very comfortable. Yeah, very that. So please don't. Yeah. Yeah, and don't touch my hair. Slapping your ass or grabbing your tuck. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I wouldn't grab you there, so don't grab me there. And the thing is, I have met people who have said, oh, I really want to touch your hair. I've never felt a wick. Okay, touch my hair. I will give you the permission yeah. to do it. But when you just come just up and go, ah, yeah. Ugh. that is different. Just it's like rub your hand right into it and sort of just mess up the structure. No, 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 Karen, leave me alone. Well, that's the other thing. It's like if you ask me if you can feel my breast pad or feel my wig, or what, I can show you exactly where. Yeah, where you're gonna get something out of it, and it's not gonna fuck it up. Yeah, you know. I I have three questions that I ask. Uh, well, I have four, but we just talked about one of them. So I have three more questions that we ask all of our guests. Uh, the first one is, what is your definition of local drag? Um, local queen. Local queen. So, I think... Oh, you see, for me, a local queen means I'm from Newcastle. So, if you said I was a Newcastle queen, that's, yeah, that's local queen. But because I tour all up and down as well, like, a lot of people refer to us as UK queens now rather than sort of local queens because there were some UK queens that weren't happy about the terminology local. I don't know if you saw uh, season two of Drag Race when they were like, it's very regional. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, what does that mean? What what are you saying regional? Like how how is something regional? It's like, if you were dressed in something that was like black and white stripes for me, that's regional to Newcastle because that's the football kit. So... But local queen to me is just like, yeah, I've got my residences in Newcastle. Um, people, 
that are ba- that's my base. So I'm locally based in Newcastle. So I don't. It's quite difficult because I, I know a lot of people find the term derogatory. Um, that's why we started this podcast to really show the world that it's not. Yeah, it's not like I. I always say when I'm in Orlando, when I'm at home, I'm a local queen. Yeah, because I'm still rolling up to Hamburger Mary's with my suitcase for fifty dollars and a cheeseburger. See that like. Sometimes like I miss well I miss Newcastle all the time when I'm not there, and I miss performing in, and being in my bar. But I know when I go back, it's just going to be the same as it was yeah. three weeks ago when I wasn't there, and I'm still going to be bought a trillion bottles of Fireball and like have the best. You time. got the same people. So my, I think what I've gathered from from talking to so many people at this point is that the general consensus is that local queens are people who um, have made their name in one specific locale. Yeah. They are supported by those people, and they in turn support the, the local yeah. people as well. Um, and I think that that's really kind of how any queen should identify. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, if I ever did make it on Drag Race and I was with Duna Tour, I'd take the Newcastle kings and queens with me on that tour to be able to promote my city. Well, and that's what I've done since season seven. Every year I do a holiday tour. That's kind of like my thing. I love Christmas so much. I love not just Christmas. I love all of the holidays. I'm obsessed with them. Um, And I try to take, you know, some of the best people who are at this point only known locally. Yeah. Um, I try to take them with me and show them off to the rest of the world. And and the thing is, once they're given that opportunity, people love them. Yeah. People are not as closed off to non-television personality mm-hmm. drag queens as yeah. maybe we would think. Yeah, 100%. That's why I'm excited to bring Gladys on this comedy tour, because Gladys is like my drag baby. She's not like my daughter, but like I look after her and like yeah. make sure that she's okay. So like got like she's coming on this tour and I'm so excited for her to see what it's like to tour mm-hmm. and be like just part of it as well. So that's it's exciting to be able to give people those opportunities. It's also very exciting to show all these people that have been jealous of your job for a couple of years oh, how unglamorous <laughs> it is. Very, very that. There's no glamour in touring. No, There's no glamour at all. None. My mother was always the one that was like, oh, I'm so jealous. You get to go here and there and everywhere. And you get to see everything in the world. And I'm like, I see it from airplane windows. I don't get to experience these things. So my husband couldn't go with me when I had a gig in the Dominican Republic. I took my mom. And the first day was lovely because they pick us up in, in like the beautiful limo and put us in this bungalow at this resort and treat us like gold. And then the next three days were hell because they woke us up at the crack of dawn to go into rehearsals. And she had to keep running back and forth trying to find shoes. And, this, and, that. and she's like, I don't want to do this. I want to go to the beach. I want to drink. I said, so do I. We got done and we got back home. We were there for a total of five days. We got home and she walked up to my husband and she said, I apologize for ever saying what you did was easy. She's like, that's the hardest job I've ever had. It's things like, it's things like I've forgotten a pair of nail clippers on this tour. I had to go and buy a new pair of nail clippers. I've got 10 pairs of nail clippers at home because yeah. I keep doing that. It's like being on tour, like you haven't got time to do laundry or anything like that. So you go and buy a five pack of, boxer shorts from Primark and, uh-huh. but you've got 300 pairs of boxer shorts because uh-huh. it's like it's just 
the not having the time to refresh and or the like, resources. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my second question is, what is the thing that you are most proud of, of your entire career? So it's the I'm Alive performance, um, the Sia performance that I do. So I come out in a dress uh, that's covered in slur words. So um, I don't you probably won't be able to put these on. Um, so it's like, yeah, sure, we can. So it's faggot, tranny, uh, queer, freak, leather, dyke, he, shim, um, all these words just like covered in the dress. And then I do see as I'm alive. And during the performance, I rip off the words and then different uh, pride flags. So it's got the uh, non-binary flag, the genderqueer flag, the trans flag, the progressive flag. Um, and I do it with the visuals of basically, because um, I'm 43 next week, and I grew up in a time where Section 28 was in, um, we were allowed, which Section 28 is. Let's say, um, tell us what that is. So Section 28 is, um, it was put in place to ban the promotion of homosexuality in schools. So the terminology for it, so the promotion of, basically means that you couldn't talk to it. There was no discussion about being queer. And when I was growing up in school, um, I tried to speak to my teacher about it and they were like, we can't, but there's nothing we can talk about. We can't mm. literally talk about that with you as much as we want to. We could get sacked for doing that. Yeah. So that was something that Margaret Thatcher brought in. I grew up as well. Uh, when the AIDS pandemic was really big in the UK and questioning my own sexuality as you do when you're younger, seeing these adverts with just tombstones and like flowers being thrown on them and saying it's like the gay pandemic and these kind of things. Mm -hmm. So all these visuals are on the, um, with the performance. And then it's kind of just like the story of, of my growing up being queer and how it's changed. Like, people's perceptions, the laws and things like that. Um, and that's resonated most with the audience. Um, and as, as I do a speech at the end saying, because now you'll, you'll be very aware, the drag audience has changed so much, the demographic. Mm-hmm. It used to be when I was performing, it was 99% queer. Yeah. But now I'd say it's it's less, way less than half queer now. Yeah. And it's like, so I'm like, you are the allies that need to fight for us until we, until we, can all say that we're like fighting the same fight then we're not going to get any progression we're not going to you know we're still going to be gay bashed we're still going to be like segregated so this performance kind of like tells that story um and we were in nottingham uh, the other week me and jamie were in the bar and this three guys came up to us and were like well your mother took her you did the performance at drag fest there i'm alive they were like, like, we didn't know about Section 28. We didn't know about all this stuff. But as soon as we saw that performance, we went and researched it and found out and learned about our queer history. Mm-hmm. So to me, as an older gay man, performing in front of a, a very much younger demographic, that's what we need to do. We need to educate. So that performance for me is just like, will always be my favourite thing to do. And I'm going to be doing it again on the on the Lawrence <coughs> tour as well. I love so. that. I love that. And it is so important. I've... That's why I've always felt like it was my responsibility to kind of advocate for John Waters and Divine and all of the the boundaries that they broke down because people yeah. look at it like uh, I'll, I'll never forget when on season seven when they announced we were doing that challenge that more than half of the girls in that room had no clue who Divine yeah. or John Waters were and it was so like 
it was kind of a, a, a wake up call and kind of a slap in the face at the same time where it's like divine was the original drag superstar. Yeah. Divine is to the drag community and the gay community who Marilyn Monroe is to the rest of the world. Yeah. Somebody who was this, um, <clears throat> a blonde bombshell who didn't quite fit the normal standards, the yeah. beauty standards, very talented, very, um, cutting edge. And then tragically taken away before they really hit right where they were going, yeah, right you know? Right. And the, the things that, um, that Divine and John Waters and that whole crew were able to do for for queer people uh-huh. and for that whole movement, for them to not not only know who they are, but not to appreciate the things that yeah. they did, it was kind of like, well, then then who do you look up to? How do, do you realize why you're here today? Do you realize why it's possible for us to be here yelling at each other over absolute cocktails in in backstage area. See, I'm the same with that, like with Madonna. Like Madonna to me, like Madonna, I grew up and watching her and doing all, like doing all, everything that she did for queer rights. And the kids now are just like, oh no, it's our Lady Gaga. Our Lady Gaga did that Lady Gaga. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you need to actually look. Madonna was the first person who had HIV positive people on her, yeah. in her crew, in her dance crew. And like, was... In Trees of Dare, we've seen kissing these people uh-huh. with HIV. And it's like, they're the kind of things that people need to know. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it'll just get lost. and it'll just Exactly. And it's not that you're... Put, it's kind of like the drag race fan base um, when they try to tear one girl down to put the other one up. Yeah. It never has to be one or the other. It can always be both. Yeah. You can sit there and say, yes, Madonna did these things. Madonna, uh, uh, you can acknowledge all of that. You can acknowledge that Elizabeth Taylor did all of those things. It doesn't mean that Lady Gaga didn't. It doesn't mean that this other person, like their contributions don't matter. You have to acknowledge everybody's contributions because without those, without everybody chipping away, we would still have that Big old yeah, boulder 100%. blocking us. We would never have gotten through it. And it's it's a testament to all of those people oh, yeah, that exactly. we're here today. Yeah. Not that we've gotten that deep. <laughs> so <laughs> not that old. <laughs> <laughs> My final question to you. What advice would you give to any local up-and-coming queen that is listening to this? Don't do it. <laughs> Every single person has said that. Um persevere um practice and take those gigs that you think are going to be chicken shit gigs and run with it give it your all treat every performance the same and you know you are going to start off with those 50 quid gigs but those 50 quid gigs are going to get you to where you want to be and you know i have no issues with saying that you know the the yards that I work at in Newcastle, I get paid like 80 quid a night to do that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't bother me because that's who gave me the opportunity to start. Yeah. And I will, as you know, if touch wood, if I ever do get on Drag Race, I will go back to that venue as much as I humanly possibly can mm-hmm. and still take a gig for 80 quid. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's this, everyone's like, oh my God, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be. But not everyone does. So, yeah. you know, be nice to the people on the way up because you're going to meet them on the way down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I still show up, you know, all these years later to Hamburger Mary's and I call bingo every Tuesday that I'm home. Yeah. 
And he, I don't, I don't get paid drag race money to go and do that. I, I just do it because those are the people that supported me. Yeah. I have fun doing it. It's one of those gigs where there's not a whole lot riding on it. Like every time you step out on stage, like I'll just take this tour, for example, every time I step out on stage, there's that, that rush and that panic of, Oh my gosh, you owe these people so much because the ticket prices are high and, and expectations are high. And you spent so much on this costume and so much time on this mix and da, 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 and you've got dancers with you. There's so much that you want to go right. Yeah. And when I, when you're around the people that have supported you from the beginning, it's like there's this level of, of comfortability where you don't have to not try, but you don't have to yeah, push. It's, it just, it, it, it makes me laugh when I'm away on tour. Like, and when I come back, they're all like, oh, we stopped being famous now. I'm like, oh, I ain't famous. I'm just literally like, if you, it's like we go back to, if you saw what we were doing, you wouldn't think that was famous. <laughs> but it's like, I just like going back and being surrounded by, like you say, by the people who supported you and helped you and, and got you to, to, where you are yeah because that's absolutely. it like if it wasn't for their support i would have given up and been working back in the call center mm-hmm. and who knows what tomorrow will bring hopefully not a call center maybe the call center <laughs> who knows all right so it's been so much fun talking you to you too. this is really I, I always love talking to you Me i feel too. like we could talk for five million years <laughs> and we probably will um i would like you to tell all of our listeners both of them uh exactly where they can find you on the interwebs um on instagram and twitter um yes yeah, so instagram and twitter mother tucker m-u-t-h-a-t-u-c-k-a that's it mm-hmm. all um, right facebook but don't go on there because that's uh, i never use it yeah i don't think anybody really uses it anymore no. except me i finally learned how to use it now that everybody is swapped, like, swap platforms. I use my like my profile, but I don't use my like the like page. Yeah. Oh, I don't either. No. I I gave up on that years ago. Yeah, I can't remember <laughs> the last time I posted on there. And as always, you can find me across all social media platforms. All you have to go after all you have to do is go to gingermingeonline.com. That's gingermingeonline.com. Until next time, make sure you all take care of yourselves. Be as safe and responsible as possible. And support your local community because they are your home.